There's a few, a few uh, crazy, amazing things I want to share with you as we're about to begin the Torah class today. Today, I want to dedicate our class in honor of the upcoming yard site of Ezra Ben Sion Akoin Parsakar, Shamashar Abnalia, Migute Better, with the whole family for Ogubase Chal Yisrael. I also want to dedicate this to a young couple that's getting married tonight. This is unbelievable. Unbelievable, I'm going to tell you. I don't believe the story I'm telling you right now, but I know it's true. This is the story. This little girl, she went by the Rebbe in 1991, and the Rebbe gave her, she's a little girl, the Rebbe gave her a dollar, another dollar, for a chatan. For a chatan. Now, my, my children get annoyed when I always have to make jokes about them getting married, but I thought I was the only, you know, but the Rebbe gave me a dollar for a chatan, and no one knows what the Rebbe's talking about. So, okay, years passed, this was, this was you know, 91, it wasn't yesterday. Listen to what happened. Unbelievable. So, the Baruch Hashem, they got engaged a, little, a few uh, months ago, and Nathan Torjman and Rivka Kasherim, they're engaged, and they... Um, they mentioned the story to my friend Rabbi Zisha about how they got a dollar from the Rebbe for the wedding. The Rebbe Gibbs says this for the Chatan, for the wedding. That's what the Rebbe said. So Zisha said, let's find the picture. What date was it? They found out that the wedding is the exact day that the Rebbe gave the bracha. Wow. The wedding is tonight, the 28th of Adar. Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. The bracha came on that day. The Rebbe sees something that's... Wow. What is the meaning of success? What do you think of the, when you hear the word success? What's the first thing that comes to mind when you hear think the, word, about the word success? At this time of year, my grandfather, Allah Vashon Rabbi Fogelman, he was... I don't know what he was going through, but the Rebbe told him, throw all the negativity out the window. Throw all the, all the marashchera, all the negativity out the window. It, it, it says you're supposed to add in joy in Adar, and some say also in Nisan. So if to add in joy and throw all the negativity out the window. So when we think about success, many people think success is something that happens to other people, you know? <laughs> success is something that happens maybe to Ashkenazim, you know? <laughs> this, those people who have the triple A cards, you know those Ashkenazi people? Anyways, so um, there was a Jew, Angazunt, he visited Rabbi, uh, a very wealthy Jew, wasn't, wasn't very uh, observant, and he visited my colleague, Rabbi Savatitsky, from Belgium, and he's very, very wealthy. He tells him, you know, I don't really know how much money I have. And I say I don't know, don't know how much money, I don't even, it's not that I don't know how many millions I have. I don't know if it's like one, not... 10 million more, or 20 million more, or 40 million more, I have no idea. That's what he says, I have no idea. But, he says, I don't care what people are jealous of me. He says, his wife was sick, one of his kids left his home, doesn't want to talk to him, the other kid has other problems, what do I have in life? So, Rabbi said to him, what about the kindness that you do? He says, oh, just that, that is something that lasts. That's something which is true, that's something which is forever. So, let's understand today what, how we define what our yardstick is, for, uh, for success. The gentleman in our shul and Gesund, Mordechai Yosef Elman, on his birthday, he made a decision, a 
for his birthday. He's a good hachatatova. What was his decision? Such a beautiful idea. He made a decision that whenever an opportunity for kindness arrives, someone needs help, instead of looking at it as a burden, he decided I'm going to try to look at it as an opportunity. That's easier said than done. But thank God, they have now a new bedroom in their home. They only have a one-bedroom apartment, but suddenly now their dining room is now a bedroom, and they welcome another person who came from Ukraine, needs a place to stay. And that's, and, that, and, that's, and, that, and that's an opportunity. Wow, we could help someone. Different way of living, different way of thinking. So, there is, um, I mean, there is a, um, when we think about success, we may think about a time that's going to come up, or a person going to come and help us have success. The real meaning of success is something that comes from our, ourselves, and the time is now, and this is a real change that we're waiting for. It's, it's from ourselves and it's now. As the name of this upcoming uh, Shabbat, this Shabbat we add the parasha Bachodesh, the parasha of, of change, of something brand new. The month of Nisan, of Nisan, the month of miracles, month of wonders. So this is, this is what we're, where, we're, where we're heading. This week, we read about the laws of purity, about man. Last week we wrote the laws of kosher, of all kinds of animals and birds and fish. And now, after we've finished discussing all of existence, all different kinds of man, mammals and amphibians and fish and reptiles, the Torah now goes on to discuss man. So we're the last. We're the last in the Torah describes. Why are we the last? Why are we describe last? So there's a, tom, there's a sage named Rabbi Simloi. Rabbi Simloi says, just like God created man last, he also discusses his Torah, the laws of the man, is also discussed last. So what's the connection? Because we were created last, therefore our, our description, our, our laws in the Torah are, are last, what, what, what's the relationship? Why were we created last? Why did God create us last? So there's four reasons given. Two of them are like this. One reason given is, if man was created first, you know what man would say? I did this. God needed some help, so you know, like, I was a partner with God in creation. Therefore, God created man last. That's reason number one. Reason number two is, if a person ever gets arrogant, he ever thinks about himself too much, so God could say to man, and man could say to himself, a mosquito, you think you're so great? Even mosquitoes were created before you. There's a difference between the way God made man and God made all other creatures. All other creatures were created from the earth. God created, created the giraffes and the trees and the, everything in the world was created from the earth. But man was something else. Besides creating the body of man from the earth, God also created the neshama, the soul of man from heaven. And that was, that was created second. First he made the body of man. And then God blew into man, into Adam, he blew into him a spirit of life. When God created man, God said to the angels, let, or God said these words, let us make man. Who is the us? Who is he talking to? Did any of us make ourselves? We made ourselves out of our eyes. We made our eyes. We made our nose. We made our, what, what did we make of ourselves? We didn't make anything. Interest. What, huh? Interest. So the, the one explanation of the Talmud is God was talking to the angels out of humility. God wanted to teach us humility. But the Maral says something unbelievable. The Maral says, that all other creatures that God made, when they are born, you can more or less predict where they're going to go. Dogs live an average of uh, 10 to 13 years. Some dogs live 25 years, very old. 
But when a dog is born, you know when the dog grows, what's going to happen? Dog is, dog is get a little faster, uh, fatter, or get a little, uh, become, run faster, get a little stronger. Um, the dog will be able to bark louder. You can basically predict what's going to happen when a dog is born. When a, when a human being, a Jew, is born, a baby is born, you don't really know too much about where the baby is going to go. You don't know where the baby is going. Baby is born, and what's going to happen next? You don't know. You could have 30 kids in a class, and you don't know who's going to be the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker. You don't know. You don't know who is going to become someone who invents a cure for cancer. You don't know which kid is going to join the mafia. You know which kid is going to, to become a, a teacher or going to become an Olympic star? Rabbi. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Anyway, so you don't really know. You don't know where things are going to go. So that's what the God means when God says, says, let us make man. God says, a lot of what happens to you and what your world is has to do with you. A human being is the only creature that has free choice. We have a free choice to what kind of world we live in and what kind of environment and atmosphere we breathe. We all know ourselves that we could choose to, to you know how good it feels to give, to make another person smile, make a person feel, feel good. We all know how that feels. We also know ourselves when we feel more aggressive, more jealous, more angry, more anxious. We, all, we have a choice though, what kind of thoughts, what kind of things we consider, and that changes the way we feel. We're the only ones with that choice. So, a human being could be a lot worse than an animal. Only a human being could kill a lot more people than any other creature. Think about what's going on right now in Russia, what happened this, this week in Israel. Hashem Yerachim Aleinu, Vakol Yisrael. Could an animal do that? There's a kind of, 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 of cruelty that exists only in man. And that's the meaning of when we say that man is created at the end of all the creatures. God says, even a mosquito comes before you. Mosquitoes are remarkable creatures. Mosquitoes, you see, look at a mosquito, you can see the, 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 the incredible power, wisdom of God in creation. A mosquito uh, is a very small creature. On the other hand, when a mosquito tries to get blood out of someone, you know how much it could pull out of the person? Nine milligrams. Nine milligrams doesn't sound like a lot, but nine milligrams is more than the whole thing weighs. So the mosquito is able to draw out of you more than itself. A mosquito is able to immediately detect which person has more blood in them, and they gravitate to the person with more blood. You see always people always, why are the mosquitoes going on me? There, there, there's actually wisdom. In the, and not only that, Surgeons, anyone who's been to a, who has blood vessels that are hard to find, um, you know, it's, it's not such an easy thing for, to, to, to be there when they're trying to find those blood vessels. Sometimes, you know, you go to get, draw blood, like, oh, you have the best blood vessels, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But a mosquito is able to detect the, the place of entry into the body where the blood vessels are faster than the best surgeon in the world. He could go immediately with his with, with, and prick and go right into the blood vessels in a way that no surgeon in the world has the same capability. So there's incredible wisdom in the mosquito. On the other hand, and, and also when a, when a mosquito draws blood, amazing thing, Hashem made the person away, and when you draw, when, when you draw blood, uh, when a mosquito draws blood out of you, so there's blood 
and there's also water. Mosquito only draws out the blood, doesn't it leaves the water. Number two, when you have when you have a scab or something, so the blood right away congeals and right away forms a scab. So that prevents the mosquito from 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 drawing out out more blood. But the mosquito releases into you something that will counter the body's own mechanism of creating the scab in order that the mosquito should be able to draw out the maximum amount of blood from you. But the Torah says that a mosquito is also considered the, the epitome of evil. Mosquito is considered the lowest kind of creature. Why? Because a mosquito, it says in Tanya's machnis veinamotzi, all draws for itself. It doesn't release anything. Mosquito represents evil because what is evil? What is klipa? What is something which the Torah calls something which is not good? It, it draws life. It wants to suck everything into itself and doesn't want to give. That something, you know, that kind of, kind of thought, that kind of yetzahara enters our minds all the time also. You know, we could have that kind of feeling that we want to take, we want to take, we want to take. That's klipa. Klipa is about taking. And taking it away, just like the mosquito carries so much of, it, of blood that it weighs it down. Imagine, I want to eat, imagine deciding for lunch that you want to eat more than you weigh. You know, that's, that's a mosquito. So mosquito is this idea of klipa, it wants to just bring into itself, bring into itself, bring into itself, and not to give anything out. So we have, so we're created after the mosquito. It says in the Talmud that all the creatures in the world, if they got together, would not be able to create even a wing of a mosquito. Why is it mentioned the mosquito specifically? Because the, the mosquito, again, is the lowest of all creatures. Torah is telling us that a human being is even lower than that. Human being, the Talmud says that there was a, a man named Titus, a Roman emperor who he said to God, as many have said before him and after him, all there is is I. You heard of Popeye? I am what I am, that's what I am. So he said something worse. He said, I am what I am and there's nothing else. All there is is me. So God said to him, he was on a ship, God said to him, when you go onto dry land, I want you to go to war with the smallest of my creatures. He goes onto the dry land, takes a shower, he has a cup of wine, and in the cup of wine, there was a mosquito, and the mosquito goes into his nose. And for seven years, he was suffering with a mosquito gnawing at his, at his brain, and for seven years of suffering. So the Torah, when it tells us that a mosquito was created before you, the Torah is telling us that we have to realize that we have in ourselves this ability to choose to be really, really low. We have inside of us to be really low. Mosquito comes before us. On the other hand, the Torah says, we said today's Tilim. Today's Tilim, Tilim of Yom. What's today? Chavchet. Chavchet, 28th day of the month. It's supposed to be Tilim, it's divided according days of the month. Tilim, this Achor Vekednem Tartani Vatash Lakapacha. God created man. I was created, King David says, at the end, and I was created at the beginning. And you put your hand upon me. I was created at the end, refers to our body, our animal soul. How we were created with this selfish, lowly, lowest thing inside us. On the other hand, Kedan Sartani, a person on the other hand, has in him this great ability to be beyond all creatures in the world, higher than all of them. That's the meaning of what Rabbi Simlai said. Our Torah is last. What does that mean? We're the hardest ones. We're the hardest ones. Everything else that exists in the world, it's all, in, it's all, it's all part of creation. Even the mosquitoes are part of God's creation. They're doing what they're meant to do. God made every creature the way it's supposed to be. We're the only ones who can go so low. And that's why our Torah is last. Our Torah last means that we're the... The, the, the Torah is what, get, what guides us to grow and to change and to be uplifted. We have the hardest job. 
We have the hardest job. That's why it says when God created man, it says he created him with two faces. What meaning of two faces is? We have a godly soul, we have an animal soul. We have two, we have two directions we can look at every day. We can decide what direction we're going to go to. And it happens right as soon as you wake up in the morning. The alarm clock goes off, and some people, the first thing they, they do is they say a couple of expletives, and they bang that phone, and they're, whatever it is. Other people are like, Modani lefanecha. You know, some people like, they just wake up in the morning, like, and they connect. There's a choice. There's a choice all day. What, what, do partsufim. That's, we have both souls. They both exist. So the Torah says to us, you should know you have the hardest job. That's number one. On the other hand, you have to realize something else. God says, I put my hand upon you. I'll tell you a story. There was a girl living in Los Angeles. Somehow, she wasn't from a religious family. She, and so she ended up deciding that she wants to look for spirituality. She went to India. She ended up in an ashram in, 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 in Tibet. She's in Tibet. And she's there for four years. And her father, in Los Angeles, he got sick. So she comes back to Los Angeles to visit her father. And uh, her mother tells her, you know, Passover was such a nice thing when I was growing up. She had many conversations with her mother. Passover was such a nice thing. My grandfather, we used to have, we used to sing with him and dance with him and, and ask the four questions. I wish I would have given you that opportunity. You know, she meant to say, like, you know, you, you didn't have that. That's when we went to, to India and Tibet and whatever. Anyways, as, as divine providence would have it, she ended up going to New York, and she ended up meeting a friend of hers who was going to go to Crown Heights for a Seder, to the Rebbe's neighborhood for a Seder. So, come with me, we're going to, oh, yeah, my mother told me, it's, let me check that out. She goes to the Seder. In Crown Heights, in Brooklyn, there is a yeshiva for women. The Rebbe himself, on the night of the Seder, he would go to visit all the public seders. For example, when the Jews came from Iran in 1978, they had a seder for the Jews from Iran. They helped over a thousand boys and girls from Iran to leave. They went to their seder. They went to the Russians had the seder. They went to the, the, the Jewish women who were studying that yeshiva. They actually went through the dormitory. They went to check everything. They wanted there to be a mirror there. I mean, everything should be good for those for these girls who are making this big step, this courageous step to be closer to Judaism. And this girl was there, and seeing the rabbi, she was really like, wow. And she wanted, and she ended the song. She wanted to stay. She started to, decided to stay. Listen to this. She decides to stay, but she feels in herself she's not really able to do this. She's four years in a monastery, in the ashram, whatever it is in, in Tibet. She can't really start again. So she asked the Rebbe, she the Rebbe how do I start this? And I, I like this, but how do I start this after I've been through so many things? And so she's expecting the Rebbe to say, you have to start fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. If they're rolling the snow, you know, you do all kinds of stuff to like to clean your soul and, and start again. Or maybe there's no hope for me. Like that's from her perspective. Maybe there's no hope. Maybe that's all over. Can I start this again? Unbelievable. The Rebbe said there. In 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 the Talmud, it says these words. Talmud says, if someone says I've tried, I haven't been successful, don't believe them. Someone said, I haven't tried. I was successful anyways. Don't believe them. If someone said I tried and I was successful, believe them. As the Talmud says, Zebra said to her, You were looking for God all these years. Atazeh, exactly. Zebra <coughs> said to her, What were you doing in, in Tibet? I know the word Zebra said, the content was this. You were looking for God. So now you found Him. Because you were looking for all these years, that's why you found Him. You see what the, what the, what the depth of what Zebra said is? It's not that you were going the wrong direction for so many years and how can you recover? 
You were, you were trying. You were lost. You said, help me out. Hashem, I want to find you. I don't know where to look for you. Let me go to Tibet. Let me go to India. And Zebra said, that's why you found him now. Is because of all... Zebra sees in her idolatry, in, in all the things that she went to, she's trying to get closer. And that, that's really what was going on. And Hashem wanted to get closer. And no house. It went to Tibet. It went, like, kind of like the story of Moshe Rabbeinu. Moses, when he sees the sheep running away, he says, you're thirsty. That's why you're running away. So that's what the Torah is telling us. Hashem's hand is upon us. Hashem's hand is upon us, doesn't matter if we go up, if we go down, whatever we're going through, Hashem is guiding us. We have two parts of ourselves. We have both parts and they're both there. And that's the second of the four reasons, second group of two reasons of why God created man last of all creations. The third reason is God created man last, says that so the meal, the meal should all be ready for him. God wanted all creation to be ready for him to come, able to enter the meal right away. And the fourth reason is, God created man last, so he should be ready for Shabbat, go straight to Shabbat. In other words, the first two reasons are about our denigrity, our failure, our challenges, our inner, inner struggles. God says, you should know, you got those things. They're part of you. You are, on the one of the lowest of all creatures, lower than the mosquito. On the other hand, God tells us, you should know, but you have something above all creation, and I put my hand upon you, and you're going to make this, you're going to win this. What's the bottom line? Bottom line is like this. The Mithra Rebbe says this. I'll let you guys go one more thing. Mithra Rebbe says like this. There are two kinds of people. There are people which are called those who serve God with their souls. They're just like, they stream. They're just, the neshama shines in them. I think of like children. Think of tzaddikim. Just the neshama shines in them. Then there are people which have a, a body, an animal soul. You know anybody? They feel their body, how their body feels. You know anybody like that? You know anybody human? That's us. So, it says in the Torah, King David says, in Tehillim, behemot, behemot I was like an animal with you. That's what King David says. It says in the plural. I was like an animal with you. That's what King David says about God. I was like an animals with you. We have in us ability to be lower than an animal, lower than a man, sorry, like an animal, sub-rational. But sometimes when you're going the wrong direction for a while, sometimes you feel like, all of a sudden, you feel, I want to be closer to Hashem. Sometimes you're going down a really bad direction in life and you know it's bad, but you're stuck there and all of a sudden you feel like, I want to be closer. Where does that come from? That's because the animal itself, that our animal self inside of us also has a godly spark as well. Even the animal side of us has a godly, holy part, of it, part as well. And this is the meaning of why the Torah of man in this last parish, Torah is telling us, yes, you have the biggest challenges, but because you have the biggest challenges, Hashem gives you the greatest care and support and the greatest power in your neshama, your soul, to get there. So Hashem Shalpa soul should be able to make the change we're waiting to make. Where's the holiest place in the world? The holiest place, right here. Who's the holiest person in the world? Me. That's right. What's the holiest time? Now. What does it say? Let's make it happen.